1: What's up, everybody? Welcome to our weekend recap. The Rafa Benitez experiment is over at Everton, and the search for a new coach begins. And I'm joined, of course, by my American slices of wonder bread, Jimmy Conrad, and he fears to dissect the Toffees' trials and tribulations. Plus, two Serie A newcomers come up big for their new teams. Real Madrid clinch the Super Cup, and Arsenal push the Premier League's postponement rules to their limit. And with two rounds of Afghan action in the books, Tosa. McKinley returns to give us all the lowdown from cameroon Kigo lasso weekend recap begins right now Welcome to Kegolazzo. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We're on Twitter, Kegolazzo Pod. Heath Pierce is here. Jimmy Conrad's here. I'm here. LME. And of course, make sure that you listen to it and leave a rating and review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, CBS Sports and your CBS Sports app. So much goodness. Jimmy Conrad in the hizzy. How are you, buddy? You know what? I'm not great. You know, oh, my what? Newcastle
2: struggling, you know, I mean, if you, if you support a team named United, I think in the Premier League, <laughs> minus Leeds, you, you had a tough weekend and I fall into that camp.
1: Oh, man. Well, we're going to get into your Newcastle United later. I'm sorry, buddy. But hey. Heath Pierce you are still locked up in that foot lock, Yeah, you, yeah.
3: I'm doing okay I'm doing okay it's good to see both of you again I got my uh juntos es mejor Jimmy this means together is better uh and when I'm with you guys I'm happy and uh, you know this is always better together so
1: I love it I love again. it you're freshly shaven Heath Pierce as well you look good man
3: yeah, I, I didn't. I don't know. My, my wife just kept saying shave, and then I finally did it. And whenever I do it, I go why? And then it takes a couple days. I mean, Jimmy, Jimmy, I'm used to Jimmy getting that clean shave, but for me, I, I want just to feel see little, Jimmy with weird. a
1: beard. Jimmy with a beard would be amazing. Maybe
3: I, I feel like uh, I, I don't. I want a
2: mustache, and it's just, it's just, it doesn't come in very well. It's a little patchy. It's not pleasing for anybody, and I think I could get arrested walking around
1: well dude listen you have the the great g ge- those danish jeans i think because uh, <laughs> yeah. you look so young you and Heath Pierce look great well welcome everybody to our weekend recap our call to action this is live and vivo so please leave a comment a question our good buddy uh a legend Tosin mckinney joins in a second to talk about afghan because it's absolutely insane afghan some great stuff going on over there but we begin of course in the premier league and let's begin with some news actually heath and jimmy everton after losing to norwich playing yet another terrible terrible game do the obviously unavoidable the thing that we knew it was coming rafa benitez is done i believe the statement is on the screen if you are watching on youtube or it will come very soon but that means Uh, Jimmy Conrad, six managers in eight and a half years since David Moyes left. I believe it's five since Roberto Martinez left. What do you make of it? Uh, Rafa Benitez out at Everton.
2: You know, I just want to applaud Rafa Benitez. I mean, we always knew his heart was with Liverpool, and now he did the special agent, went over there and sabotaged their biggest rivals, Everton, and he did it some real style. Even got Lucas Digne sold. I mean, I what a masterclass <laughs> from Rafa <laughs> Benitez. This might be one of his greatest moves since winning the Champions League after being down 3 0 to AC Milan. Way to go, Rafa Benitez. <laughs> I got plenty of time for this.
3: Oh, uh, I like, <laughs> like house three. I yeah. I, lo- I like Jimmy's perspective on this. Obviously, I was, you know, if you if you go through the process of it, fans were always upset from the very beginning for obvious reasons, as Jimmy just mentioned, for Rafa Benitez to get there. But then you go, man, how spoiled could a fan be to not accept that this manager could do really great things, which he never ended up doing. Uh, I just look at the club again, and I think about the fact that you know the sporting director is out, and Rafa Benitez stays. Usually, that's a war of heads where they say, okay, differences of opinions he leaves get a new vision in maybe you bring in a new you bring in a new sporting director your, your vision for the future Rafa Benitez wins that war but then Rafa Benitez we're hearing about him and, and falling out with Dina and other players like that you just go man after a while if you're the club you go i don't know maybe we got it wrong there maybe brands should have stayed around but either way we're not getting the results let's just get rid of everyone and that just seems to be what they're doing they're selling their best players They're giving up their manager. They get rid of a sporting director. I just don't know with this kind of dumpster fire, when you look at it from the outside looking in or even the inside looking out, who wants to be a part of this quote unquote project at this point?
1: Yeah, well, that literally is the perfect segue there, Heath Pierce. Who wants to be part of this absolute mess at Everton? If you're watching, please leave a comment. What do you think? Uh, is is it justifiable that Rafa was sent? Is it more than Rafa? Who do you think should come in? Miguel, I feel it would be a bad idea, but curious to see what Jesse Marsh could do with Everton. Jimmy Conrad, what do you make of that?
2: I mean, I would be pleasantly surprised if they actually considered Jesse Marsh, uh, Bob Bradley, being a really a real only foray into the Premier League when he took over Swansea. They gave him what 87 days before sacking him before he even had any time to do anything. So that felt a little unfair to Bob. So I'd like to see a a, a, man, a team give an American a real chance, and and I don't know if it's going to be Jesse Marsh this time around, but. They've really got nowhere else to go but up. And I think he's got that that spirit that maybe they're lacking, that togetherness that I think he
1: can but do. But that's just like, you know, go, going from RB Leipzig saying, yeah, we're going to kind of give you a shot. And he was part of the family to go into Everton. He and getting it. Do you uh, think Jesse Marsh, what do you think of that?
3: I think that's just a hard, I mean, no one even looked at RB Leipzig this year and called it a project, right? He was just supposed to take mm. on the reins of RB Leipzig without any of the players that made them good. Or you know, including injuries, including young players, including transitioning uh, transitioning players out. It was a really it was it was in itself a project, but nobody called it that. And he had trouble you know kind of getting those players to buy in. Now we're seeing what's his name go back to Ajax and score two goals uh, on loan away from uh, on on loan away from RB Leipzig, who just Brian didn't Braby. Play. yeah, Brian Braby, who got his chance because what's his name's at uh, African Cup Nations. That's a conversation for later on. But yeah, I I would love to see Jesse Marsh go there, but I just look at it and I go. Well, if you're any manager and you look at the amount of managers that they've funneled through over the last eight years, that doesn't feel all that safe. Yes, Everton are a massive club and they still have quality players. And it does seem like they're missing a little bit of just somebody to come in and give them a hug and bring them into the right direction and believe in them and know that, hey, guess who also isn't the team that they once were? Manchester United. And they're going through their own things right now. And you're not that big, but you still are something valuable and it still means something to wear the crest. And so somebody's got to come in with that mentality. Maybe – with some connection to the club uh, or something where they're going to give him a little bit of time. We're seeing with Ranić now, yeah, people still don't like him, but at least he's starting to get some sort of results, losing only one in his first 10, I guess, as manager. You need well, somebody and like the that.
1: Ranyuk situation, Heath, is also different because they know that eventually he's going to leave. They're looking for yeah. somebody permanent in the summer. But, Natalie, Everton is where managers go to die. It's a little harsh, but I kind of agree right now. Everton's not really good. By the way, you were mentioning there Heath, uh, about somebody that perhaps has a history of it. Well, Roberto Martinez, Jimmy Conrad, seems to be the front runner. Uh, There's also talk of Wayne Rooney as well. Uh, But he's doing some miraculous things at Derby right now, even though they're not totally out of it. Uh, Perhaps Duncan Ferguson, who's been there forever, deserves another shot. Why would anyone, Jimmy, want to manage the Toffees? And why would Martinez leave the golden generation Belgium in in a World Cup year?
2: I feel like it would be somebody that has something to prove. Frank Lampard kind of jumps to mind. He's thirteen to two, uh, the odds right now. He's the fourth favorite. Wayne Rooney six to five to take over, which I find kind of interesting. He might be. I would be reluctant if I was him to maybe step into this situation. Duncan Ferguson seven to two. He's second favorite. Roberto Martinez four to one. I don't think Roberto Martinez is going to come, even though he did have. Well, at the beginning he had a successful stint. He got them into Europe his first year with Everton. Then it started to not look so good the following two seasons and he got sacked in 2016. Graham Potter, Paulo Fonseca, Nuno Espirito Santos. Name being I mean, it's out just there, anybody Michael right Carrick. now. Anybody? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. One Michael thing Kidd I wanted to already add about...
3: said that he was, like, not going to work for a while because he wanted to see his family. You know, we're just throwing names out there. Of I'm people just saying, i like, looking at, go, at the well, bats you know, I don't know. Yeah. All,
2: all I wanted to throw in there was the fact that the kids use a phrase today called washed. And Rafa Benitez is washed. I just don't think he is going to ever regain what he once had as a manager and I think this is the last we're going to see a Rafa Benitez for a long time unless he you know picks up a club that's you know middle table somewhere else maybe in Spain or whatever but uh, Rafa Benitez at the top level I think is done
3: Jimmy is uh is uh Jose Mourinho washed (laughs)
2: <laughs> they are there there are yes there are a lot of comments about joseph marina being washed but they won today so let's just yeah. he's off okay, of them you know fair. i just i just wanted to see if i could put you on the <laughs> he, spot and you had no 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 like that. i i i can understand why people think he's washed
1: Jose marina is being washed being put back in the dryer then come out and washed again <laughs> yeah. i think uh, hey that's hey ilias ilias is in the house as well uh in the live chat uh to our regular viewers thank you so much make sure that you subscribe leave a comment heath uh final thoughts on Everton for a second. Palafonseca, was there a comment as well? Uh, thank you so much. But who would you who would you want? I mean, who would you who do you think is gonna get this?
3: I don't know who's gonna get it just because again, I think you're playing the game of like when we looked at Ralph Raniak, nobody expected that at Manchester United. It was an option hmm. off the wall because it came with a certain level of, of clout, but also circumstances, knowing that he was the stopgap to the next thing. It was like prefaced as that right where okay maybe if he see exceeds all expectations he gets the job and he wants to be in contention for that but i feel like uh, everton need a little bit of time to figure out what their where their journey goes on next to here when i think about roberto martinez you're right he's in a golden generation i guess the golden generation is probably getting close to its end with belgium but they're continuing you know he's, he's building something on that i was actually out out, out at coffee uh a couple days ago here in dubai with with somebody who played under roberto martinez in the premier league and he was like I don't know if he's in a. I don't know if he's a manager that can light the fire that you need. He's a people manager. He's very You're good. name dropping without he's name dropping. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. I need to uh, know I, who
0: this. Who well, is that's it? Be,
3: that's because I'm on a. I'm on a runaway train right now, <laughs> and I'm afraid that I'm that Des, our our producer, is going to chop it right at the thing where I quote. I in quote tweet the guy. Uh, Damn it! He, who that is he, it that he said to me? Um, he he's a Dutch guy, uh, and he played wow. in the Premier okay. League. Stephen TNR? Um, I don't
1: know. No, and I mean, he
3: lives in Los Angeles. So I'll give you that much. But he, he'd spoken basically about saying he was in the locker room with him. And was, at times it was like, Man, you gotta light this fire. I mean, he he said he was unbelievable tactically, hmm. but when it came to that motivation in the team, sometimes the players would ask to have their own time to like light a fire and say, Hey, it's gotta be better and whatnot. And obviously, this was a long time ago when he played for him and he was a new manager. But when you think about going into a locker room and having to have that mix of earning respect and having a little bit of an iron fist, while knowing exactly, you know, in the modern game of of management, ego management, of knowing, hey, I got to hold everybody to a certain standard here, and sometimes that means I got to be angry. But that also means that guy you got angry with sometimes he needs a hug, and knowing what players need that type of thing, whether he has that in this type of situation. Again, Jimmy said it. All they can do is is go up from here. Um, but well, I just don't know, I know who wants to step in. I'm
1: not sure if all the way they can go up because now that you know Norwich. Uh, got a win and you know even though Newcastle it's not they're not that far away from relegation they're not that I'm just going to say that so it's going to be intriguing to see where they go let's move on because uh, we got some more games in the Premier League to talk about and one was a cracking one Uh, you mentioned Jimmy Conrad that the only United right now that should be celebrating is Leeds United 3-2 by the way what an absolute victory Jack Harrison Jack Harrison, former NYCFC player, studied and played at the US, in the U.S. as well, scores a hat-trick as well. Unbelievable. And they went 3-2 against West Ham, doing, by the way, Arsenal a favor <laughs> by uh, beating West Ham. Jimmy, talk to me about this game, by the way, is specifically because Leeds were depleted and, you know, they kept going with their game, and North London Derby was to so much to talk about, but let's talk about Leeds United for a second.
2: Yeah, I just want to mention that on the third goal, because it looked at 2-2 when, when West Ham came back and tied it to make it 2-2, the momentum in the second half was all in their favor. And then Rafinha, and I th- actually thought, let's get really into the tactics a little bit, I thought Leeds did an excellent job of allowing Issa Diop, one of the center backs for West Ham, to have the ball. Just, just let him have the ball, give him a little bit of pressure, and then make him force tough passes into tough spots, which we know are coming. And then we're going to try to win the ball and transition from there. And that's what led to the third goal in particular. And Rafinha's ball to Jack Harrison. God, inject that straight into
1: my veins. That, was, was that, so was, that was art. That was just it, it, beautiful. Oh
2: my, I love Rafinha. And I don't know how much longer he's going to be at Leeds, but he is a special player. And, and I thought Jack Harrison was fantastic. Congratulations to him for getting his first ever hat trick at the senior level or whatever it is in the Premier League. And and just how his finish was, was excellent as well and just a great game from him overall. I do want to say, I thought Leeds went out there and, and stuck to the game plan for the most part, super vulnerable defensively. And I think you can always, if you're down to them, you always have a chance to get back in. But David Moyes came out and said that he thought it was unfair because they were forced to play against Norwich. They had a game that had got postponed earlier to play Norwich midweek. Mm. And he didn't think that was fair because Leeds didn't have a game midweek. And now they're missing players as well. And he just, he was pissed. And he doesn't, he's like, I don't think the schedulers understand that, what or what rest is and what recovery is. And and they're just throwing games in to throw games in without really taking into, into account what it means to actually recover. And I agree with him wholeheartedly in that. Now, fair play to David Moyes, who also said that wasn't exactly the reason why we lost we didn't make the plays that needed to be made. We didn't finish our chances, and we gave up silly mistakes. But that still needs to be part of the con- con- you know, the conversation. And they asked him a little bit more about why well, Arsenal and Tottenham got their game postponed. And he's like, I got guess I got to be a little bit tougher on this. So I'm curious to see what David Moyes is going to do with that moving forward because it did feel a little unfair that Leeds had a whole week to prepare and West Ham didn't.
3: Yeah, the only thing I would say that that, uh, I agree with everything that Jimmy said there. The only thing I would add to that is that Jimmy just kept on mentioning, and shout out to Dan, by the way. Dan Dan is another one of the regulars, so appreciate that. He
1: was a little upset that we didn't say his name at the beginning. Dan Kane, this yeah. specific segment right now is for you
3: guys. <laughs> um, this, this is sponsored by Dan Kane. But listen, <laughs> actually sounds like a cool brand. I would buy it. I know. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but what, what I'll say about this is Jimmy kept talking about tactics. And I don't know if Le- what leads do are tactics. Uh, last year, it seemed like tactics, but it, I think they just thrive in in chaos, right? Jimmy mentioned, yeah, they stuck to their game plan, super vulnerable defensively. And I think that's just what it's yeah. been. And, again, I, I always equate this to players that we didn't know about last year then and having great years to the players this year, that same player not having that great of a year because people found out about them, right? I see the same... With Leeds, where people found out about him they're like let's take a step back for a second and try to figure out what made what made Leeds so good last year and it was the chaos right and this chaos again reigns supreme I, I agree with moise's comments uh i think that's re- got to be super frustrating and difficult to go through but you're playing against Leeds, a team that's very vulnerable you were back in the game at some point so you can't really pin it on that but i think the systemic issues happening in the premier league right now feels like each week or each midweek a new manager is coming up with uh, a reason or having a completely valid reason to complain about the scheduling and the fact that their ma- their head-to-head matchups are, are not uh, uh, equal, so to speak. Having said that, though, if you were to separate all of that, they still play in three competitions at a minimum within the league, right? And there are still uneven matchups because of the fact that the Champions League clubs and the other clubs are still playing more games. And so they're constantly having to, and I get their budgets are bigger, so I don't want to give them any sort of pass. But there's never really a balanced schedule When you are a a team in the Premier League, um, unless you're at at the very bottom and you get knocked out of things and your only focus is surviving in the Premier League, but then you're doing it with a a weaker squad and less depth. So I feel like there's always this give and take, no matter what the circumstances are. But I do have a little bit of empathy, uh, given the the state of things with COVID right now.
1: Yeah, when I was growing up uh, and my mom would say, uh, make sure your room is clean. I would uh, take that, you know, very general. You know, I would hide the, <laughs> I would hide shit under the bed and like do yeah, yeah. the absolute least minimum to make sure my room is clean. When my dad asked me to clean my bed, he had a list and he was very specific about what he wanted, where he wanted my shoes and whatever. So my point being is that if you want to fix this entire situation, the Premier League needs to be way more specific about what they think or they want and they require when it comes to postponing a game. Because I'm not even blaming Arsenal. But
3: uh, well, Luis, my moment. question for you is like, what, what, what? I, I'm trying to figure out what that could possibly mean, right? Because everybody okay, has a different. I'll tell level you. Of depth. I'll tell you what it means. Like just I, I because, think. Yeah.
1: I'll tell you what it means. Fair enough if like you have players that are gone to AFCON. Fair enough if you even loan out players without realizing that you got some COVID issues. You do remember that about a year ago, at Aston Villa, we were forced to play an under-18 game, under-18 players against Liverpool. My point is like sometimes you might have to suck it up and sort of involve like a couple of under twenty three players. Like I'm sorry, you just have to in order to. I'm um, again, my blame is not on the club. It's on. I think the Premier League needs to be more specific about what they mean about who on what constitutes a postponement. That that's all I'm saying. I think. Uh, I like yeah. That. Yeah. So that that to I'm me. Cool that. Yeah. I, I just I, I, again, everybody thinks that we're like. Blame Micka Richards went crazy, and that like, you know, why is everybody going on Arsenal? so that it's not about the club? To me, it's about like the Premier League. Everybody's taking advantage of a loophole. I mean, why not? Right? I would. Right? The Premier League needs to be more specific about what constitutes postponing a game. Once you know the specific rules, then your room's going to be really clean.
3: <laughs>
1: anyway, let's move on. Liverpool uh, did win three nothing against Brentford. Uh, the Reds now eleven points adrift of Manchester City. By the way. With a game in hand, uh, as Man City beat Chelsea, Jimmy, is the title race over?
2: Yes, it's pretty close. I would say that with a game in hand, and this was a good performance from Liverpool, I thought Fabinho in particular was excellent. Uh, you know, they beat the team that they should beat, and a team that actually gave them trouble the last time they faced each other. If you remember, it was 3-3. That was at Brentford, and and they got a little plucked to them. But uh, I thought Liverpool came out and were in complete control of it for the most part and, and uh, got a good result. Eight points, if they can get that game in hand and get to eight points, it's not insurmountable, but uh, Manchester City, very professional in how they approach this type of stuff. So it feels like the league is over, but I don't want to count it out, man. I'm a, I'm a, you know, I like a little drama in my life. I'm a romantic. I want to see something that, you know, gets down to the last weekend, but it's looking uh, pretty hard-pressed at this point, unless something happens in the Champions League or there's a significant injury. The thing is, City and Liverpool can probably cope with injuries pretty well. Well, Liverpool maybe not as much, given what we saw last year. But uh, yeah, it feels like it's it's done.
3: <laughs> I will say this: I think that I think that the, the title race is done. When I looked at this match, obviously Liverpool are another team missing a number of players, specifically <laughs> their two, their two best players. But They scored just before the halftime, and Brentford actually gave them a little bit of trouble. Yes, Liverpool dominated the stat sheet as we expected they would, but Brentford broke through a few times, had a few chances, a few swings of momentum that didn't go their way that showed some vulnerabilities again in Liverpool. When I think about this over the next four or five months with the amount of matches that they have, whether they have their best team on the field or not, I just see them slipping up at some point and i don't think there, there's almost zero uh, margin for error for them for the rest of the season because man city might give up a point here or there or two points here or there and draw something but they're not going to lose a couple games in a row and i just don't see how liverpool would have to basically win out for the rest of the season at least in my opinion for them to have a chance and i just when i when i watch that game even again i know they're missing players and i know it's in the thick of the season but the way that they just the chances that they gave up i go man that is not a title team at the moment.
1: Mm, yeah. Well, here are the rest of the results, by the way. And uh, yes, you see that bottom one right there? Uh Felipe Cotinho, uh Gina just needed 14 minutes to so, uh, that I was uh, sick. Yeah, it was, was sick, dude. Oh amazing. <laughs>
3: he brought some serious energy and I I I loved every second of it. It was
1: absolutely unbelievable. Anyway, you know what else is unbelievable? The African Cup of nations absolutely ridiculous this tournament right now absolute insanity so many results. i'm not even going to tell you what happened because i'm going to bring on uh, our hero right now Tosin mckinney Tosin, tozin
2: Tosin,
1: tozin tozin wearing sit, his sit, super eagle shirt tozin first of all how are you my friend
4: well i'm great nigeria is great <laughs> so what else can we say i'm great i'm great how's everyone doing
1: we are good, my friend. Uh, thank you for being here. And we know Super Eagles fan, Nigerian, Tosin McKinney is Nigeria. Keep killing it. But what we're going to do right now is we're going to give you a quick uh, update, recap of the tournament itself. It's been absolutely fantastic so far. Some drama all over the place, specifically today, Tosin McKinney. So why don't you give us a little update, I guess, on the first, uh, I guess on today. I, I just what's the biggest headline from today?
4: Well, <clears throat> I don't know if it's official or not, but. Algeria had a 34-game winning streak, and that ended today. They lost to Equatorial Guinea. Um, Before the tournament, if you had told me Algeria would lose to Equatorial Guinea, I'd be like, you're a liar. But then again, I wouldn't (laughs) because this is AFCON. And nothing makes sense, but everything makes sense at the same time. So them losing to Equatorial (laughs) Guinea, basically they have to beat Ivory Coast on Thursday to qualify. And (laughs) Ivory Coast has a couple of guys that you would probably know in the defense, someone like Eric Bailly and uh, Serge Aurier. And then you also have a really good midfield. So, you know, it's this tournament. I love it because it's just so much chaos. And like, for example, Sierra Leone tied against Ivory Coast last minute. The goalkeeper tried to come out and save the ball and he slipped. Towards ACL, I think. And then they scored. So, Serge already had to go and go. So,
1: yeah, yeah. Just to emphasize that last moment, the surgery had to go in goal because their goalkeeper Sangare absolutely lost possession, tore his ACL, and Sierra Leone equalized in the final stoppage uh, time minute. That's just yeah. insane, Tosin McKinney.
4: That's just today. That's just all we saw. It's literally just <laughs> that's, uh, that's that's literally since I woke up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like within like a three-hour window. That's that's all we saw. Yeah, today. It was just that. So.
3: Hey Justin, I, I got to ask you though on the Algeria front. Obviously, they won the Arab Cup with a makeshift squad, different than the squad that they put together for this. They were on pace to potentially tie, if not break, this streak record. I mean, what 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 is it about this team that that made them fall apart in this one? Because it just seemed like when I, I watched them for a bunch of games, and. They were vulnerable at times in the Arab Cup. When I watched them in World Cup qualifying, they've been vulnerable at times. But they still seem to way to at least get a draw, if not a win. I mean, how do you fall apart like this? I mean, what are the cir- circumstances like in a, in an in a African Cup of Nations that can make a team that's so good on pace to break a historic record set by Italy
4: uh, fall apart and lose a game where they don't even score a goal? I just think it's just a it's just tournament itself. I think one of the things I said before, and I say it every single time when Africa starts, they don't respect who you are. Like a lot of these guys, like you got guys who play in the fourth division in Spain. They don't care if you play for Man City or AC Milan. They Those literally... guys that
3: play domestically in Equatorial Guinea, from what I
4: was reading, that are no, that are so the, the guy who scored plays in the fourth division in Spain. Really plays <laughs> in the fourth division in Spain. So these guys literally do not care. They like, I don't care if you play for Man United. I don't care if you play for Aston Villa. I'm gonna do what I want to do for my country. And I think that goes into it. And also, I think Algeria, like. I don't know what it is with them this tournament. Like the first game I saw them play, I was like, they don't look cohesive. They don't look like a team. They look like they're just not happy to be there. I mean, obviously it's factors, like weather's a factor and like some of the pitches aren't that great. But like you would expect a team like Algeria who has enough, you know, they played with each other long enough to like know how each other plays. I mean, Yeah, and part of the
1: reason of that streak was because of your point. They were cohesive. They were collective. And right now you don't see that, Tozan.
3: So. Yeah, I, can I can I just point out that I people always ask me what the hardest level I ever played at was and I said high school soccer because the players were so bad that if you did a move it didn't work on any of them. Like if you <laughs> did a step over, they were still standing in the same spot when you did the step over. <laughs> That's how I equate uh, what you're explaining to me right now, where it's like they're not uh, like good. It's not falling for anything. Sorry, Jimmy. Go ahead. Go ahead. and. Uh, no, the, uh... I mean, with regard to
2: Algeria, it feels like they might have too many luxury players. The fields aren't good enough. The, the whole infrastructure is not good enough for them. They're the defending champs. They want the red carpet. That's not how it works, as Tosin no. has rightfully explained. Now, Tosin, I had Senegal as my pre-tournament favorites to win, or at least the team I was picking. I know they've never won AFCON before, but I just like what their team's about. They seem pretty well balanced. They're not doing so hot. They've only scored one goal. It wasn't even in the run of play. It was a penalty. And now I'm thinking, okay, after two match days for everybody, who do you think is now the favorite? As you mentioned, Nigeria looks great. Cameroon, the hosts, look fantastic. Um, Morocco's look very good. Is there anybody else that's standing out for you that could be uh, now maybe
4: tournament favorites based on what you've seen? these first. my I love Mali a lot. I look at that midfield. I'm just like, man, that's a really, really good midfield. That first game they played against Tunisia, um, it was Basuma who came off the bench. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. for you to bring Basuma off the bench is insane to me. <laughs> like that to me alone is insane. So I really, really like Mali a lot. So, All, right. Mali. All right.
1: Well, listen, I need to ask you though, because we haven't brought them up yet as much, but yeah. Nigeria look ridiculous. That first game against Egypt Mohamed Salah, I believe, had the least amount of touches he's had, I think, ever internationally. And I think uh, definitely in the last season and season and a half from a club perspective, you were all over Egypt. And then you get another win, uh, 3-1 in the second game. How confident are you about your Super Eagles?
4: very and at the same time not i mean i've been watching nigeria the first nigeria game i went to was 1994 so like a lot of people like want to know like i've been watching nigeria for a very long time i was four i went to go watch them against england november 16th in the original wembley with the twin towers so that wembley and i've been watching nigeria ever since and the one thing about nigeria is that like we could be very serious and then we could be very unserious like 98 world cup i cried i remember that because we lost to denmark 4-1 we were supposed to beat denmark and we just came out and just didn't do anything. And the same thing we do all the time. So we look good, but it's just like Nigeria's sort of team that they will go and beat, you know, Guinea bissau on Thursday or Wednesday, whenever we play. And then we'll go lose to a team like Equatorial Guinea, because that's just what we do. But (laughs) I think this team right now is is way more together. Um, I think I've got one because he's played at this tournament before he's won this tournament. He's played in the world cup. Like they know and have respect for him. Like he's like, listen, I'm not, I'm not here to play games. We're here to do this. So, I'm a very confident team. I mean, like, and you could see, like, the talent level is ridiculous. Like, we don't have Emmanuel Dennis. We don't have Victor Usman, and we're still doing this. You know, yeah. like, we're still here. But my only concern about Nigeria is our midfield. When yeah. I saw us play against Sudan, I saw little things where I was just like, if we play against a team that's similar to us, like, as far as, like, levels, I'm scared that, like, our midfield is light. I love Joe Rebo. I think Joe Rebo's talented. I think Ndidi's talented. But I think that we need an extra body in midfield. So that's mm-hmm. where, like, someone like LSU or Nacho or Chukawesi has to get dropped. Then I think it'll probably be Chukawesi, but I want to see Franco Nyenke in that midfield with them. I think that gives me a lot more security if I see someone like Frank. So, good to like
3: Hey, I, I got another question for you. What happened to that referee from the Mali Tunisia game?
1: Yeah, what's I mean, the latest? What's, with what's, the latest what's the latest?
4: What's the latest on that? Yeah, he still like have heat uh, stroke?
3: he's in Vegas. Yeah,
4: apparently, the heat stroke, <laughs> but like I don't know what happened. Like, literally, said he had a heat stroke and like he wasn't feeling too good, so he called the game and that was just a mess. But I mean, like, I think one of the biggest things when people talk, look that up, I think I tell people one the time, like referees make mistakes everywhere. Like I've seen it in the mm-hmm. premier league. Like we all seen it every single week in the premier league. We've seen it in La Liga. I mean, referees make mistakes all the time. It's a hard job. I'm a former ref. So I know it's a very, very hard job to do. Um, I'm not sure what happened to him though. Apparently it was a huge why are you problem. former? Why are you former? Yeah. Why, why aren't you current? Why aren't you current? <laughs> Referee was the worst job I ever had in my life. I,
2: just, <laughs> I respect 18, that,
4: man. That's trying, tough. Like, Trying to make money, and the last thing I did, I loved it. I kicked the parent out. I took the ball, got super <laughs> power hungry, took the ball, and told the parents that, I'm not starting this game until you go back into your minivan. And I did. So that was my last time. <laughs> never do it again.
1: <laughs> okay, if you were part of that game, I need to see footage right now. I need to see that. I need to <laughs> expose and echo the hell out of it. Tosin McKindy, an absolute pleasure. Nigerian Scams on Twitter. Make sure that you follow him, of course, all the great <laughs> content that he does for CBS Sports go lasso as well. Those great videos, you and Aaron West, when you go on the NYC streets and uh do a little man on the street. They're great. Tosin McKinney, thank you so much, my man. Final yes. thoughts before we say goodbye, because I know that you're a Manchester United man. I don't know if you wanted to bring that up. I don't
4: yeah. Well, my last thought is that United need to fix their midfield. I said that since like my high school, senior like <laughs> my senior high school in 08 I've said <laughs> that for like what, like twelve years now? <laughs> the last thing is Please, if you guys really want peace in life, don't let Nigeria win because I'm going to make everyone here. <laughs> so don't he let Nigeria. Will be,
1: win. He will be the absolute hell in Twitter, and I want to see it. I want to see it. Tosin McKinney, thank you so much, my man. I thank appreciate you.
4: It. Cool. You. Tosin. Tosin McKinney, absolutely Tosin.
1: fantastic. I need to see that video of him, reffing I do too. him I want into see that. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. All right. Listen, everybody. Um, we are going to take a break. If you're watching this live with us, that means uh, half second. If you're listening on audio, it's like a 15 second commercial, whatever. But we will be right back because we're going to talk a lot more, including Serie A, Spanish Copa, a USMNT watch and much, much more. Que golazo. weekend recap. We'll be right back.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news.
1: Everybody, welcome back to Keigo Lasso, our weekend recap, Jimmy Conrad, Heath Piers. That was Tosin McKinsey with the AFCON recap. But let's get into it. Let's keep going here. Uh by the way, oh yes, uh, our producer Desnars always reminds me. Please thumbs up, subscribe, hit that bell. Also, comments, questions, hot takes. We want to see them in the live chat. Don't forget. All right. Um, Heath, yeah. Atalanta, enter. We thought it was going to be a goal fest. Ends up nil nil in yeah. Does that help anybody?
3: Honestly, it should have been a goal fest. If you watch the first half, it was. Uh, look, I know zero zeros don't help the the stereotype of uh, of Syria. This was one of my favorite nil nils that I've watched in a long time. Especially the first half, it was going back and forth, attacking or in and around the goal box. It didn't have a slow rhythmic. It was all out attack. Obviously, second half, I think Inter dominated the run of play for the most part. But on the flip side, like every six, seven minutes, Atalanta would come back down with a clear chance on goal. And it was a super, super exciting thing. It felt like as it started to get later on, that was like, okay, it looks like Inter happy to get the draw at a minimum. Uh, I'm not saying they weren't playing for the win, but it did look like they were settling into saying, okay, let's just start to take away some of these 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 counterattacking moments we're giving to Atalanta, let's be a little more balanced in our approach. And also, Alexis Sanchez had some huge chances. Arturo Vidal had some huge chances. I don't know what year we're living in, but it was an incredible game overall. I think this plays well into to AC Milan. But for Inter to get a point against an Atalanta who could have gotten points as well, for Atalanta to get points against Inter who, who dominated the run of play, I think for the most part, of more parts of the game than Atalanta did, I feel like it's a, it's a fair result and both teams leave happy. Yeah,
2: I agree with Heath. He makes some good points there. I called the draw. I went on Paramount Plus today and did a little something uh, with the crew there with Serie A and, and called the draw. I also said that H- uh, Jose Luis Palomino, one of the center backs for Atalanta would get a yellow card. And he got it in the 84th minute, you bastard. I absolutely yes. love you. <laughs> Boy, and I appreciate you, big guy. So I hit a couple of my bets. I was excited about that. But I did miss a big one, which is I thought both teams were going to score. They're two of the highest scoring teams, not only in Italy, but in all of Europe. And, and mm. they have so much firepower at their disposal. 0-0 is not what I thought we were going to see, but the Heath's points, there were plenty of opportunities on both sides. A couple missed passes, a little sloppy, I thought, in the first half, and nobody really finding that clear-cut chance to, or, or to have that composure to take it. So, yeah, yeah. A really good game between two very good teams. They split the points. Nothing really changes. Will AC Milan take advantage? They probably will, but I still feel like Inter are somewhat clear of of uh, being the out and out favorites to to go on to win the league. I think there's still some issues with the consistency with Milan, but uh, yeah, it was a great game. I, I I'm a big fan of Gasparini, the manager of Atalanta and the team overall. I thought they missed Duvan Zapata a little bit because when he's up high, you know, that it allows whoever, whether it's Malinovsky or Pasolich or Ilichich or Luis Muriel. I told, I have, I have, love Luis Muriel behind me. I just think that guy's a fantastic player. But he can pick up the ball a little bit in between the pockets and allow Duvon Zapata to stay high. But when Zapata's not there, he's got to do that by himself and allow other guys to do it. So it makes it a little bit more difficult for him to pick up the ball. But, uh, yeah, I love both of these teams. I'm excited to see how the rest of the season uh, plays out for both of them, both uh, domestically and in Europe.
1: Elsewhere in Syria, by the way, uh, Sergio Oliveira uh, made an instant impact at Roma. Uh, he even takes some penalties, so he got that one as Roma win won nothing against Galliari Nani, who is part of Venezia now, as well, instant impact, gets an assist for the equalizer there. And uh, Andrei Shevchenko didn't last long, sacked uh, as part uh, of, I don't know, what was it, like, six matches, uh, something like that, just was not getting the results. So that's a shame. There as Andrei Shevchenko gets sacked and what else? Oh, well, we What's got McKinney. Yeah, that's where we're going right now. Oh, McKinney oh. gets another goal. Jimmy, right back to you, man. Uh, that's a pretty damn good performance right now. We yeah. were talking about the most informed USMNT player. He keeps living up to expectations as Juventus wins two nothing.
2: Yeah, no question. I thought it was a good performance from Juve overall against Udinese. I was curious to see how they were going to respond after losing in the 120th minute heartbreakingly against Inter Milan and the Supercopa Italiana. Great photo. So, Weston McKinney scored in that game, scored in this one. You know, he does a very good job of drifting into the box when the ball goes wide. Makes it hard to mark players. Now, I'm not going to completely compare him to Frank Lampard, but Frank Lampard was very good at this, too, making those late runs when the center backs or the holding midfielder are looking at the ball and you can start to yep, drift to the point. back post, he's very, very good at that. And I think Frank Lampard maybe hung around the top of the box a little bit more, whereas Wesley McKinney likes to get to that back post and look for that back post cheddar. But uh, yeah, when he's in the team, the team's different. I actually thought Artur played pretty well today for, for Juve as well, and they're looking to move him in January. It's always weird when you see a player play, like, wait, do they want to keep him or are they just trying to market him as he, look, he's healthy and he can play so they can sell him? I don't know, but... But uh, Dybala looked good today, too. So despite some losses and some players, Juve's still hanging around, and and this was a big win for them
3: today. Uh, the only thing I'd add, because because I agree with what Jimmy said there, is that Weston, and you compared him to Lampard hanging out in and around the top of the box, he seems a lot more comfortable in those places than he did before, right? Mm-hmm. And when I look mm-hmm. at earlier parts of the year, he kind of looked like he was doing what he thought he was supposed to be doing and not doing, what, doing it confidently. He kind of looked like he was second-guessing himself in terms of his – is he taking his first touch backwards or forwards? Is he combining? Is he doing stuff because he feels like a teammate's demanding the ball, or it's the right pass? And when you look at him now, he seems just—he just—if if you didn't know who Weston McKinney was, right? If you were sitting next to me and I'm sitting in a in a pub here or something, you would see a really good player on the field. You wouldn't—you wouldn't look at through the eyes that we do where we're over analyzing. And I think that's a good sign. He looks—he looks like he blends in again. Mm-hmm. He looks like he's—he's—he's—he's mm-hmm. he's, 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 uh, playing his part and playing his role. And I think that was missing for a while where. He just looked like he was a step off, not confident, second-guessing himself. And I think that's a huge step forward for him. And we've seen this now for a couple of months, right? He's played four games of 90. Then he's played a few more games in the middle. Then he had another run of games before that. So he's in a great run of form right now um i sent him a message saying hey man keep it up keep up the form and he read it and he didn't respond but he read it i just want to let you guys know that he read it he
1: read it or (laughs) his pr yeah it
3: just said scene on it yeah Yeah, i just said scene on it you know i was just looking for this like thanks man i'm gonna keep going but i (laughs) i I just filled out the response in my head and it was just like uh you know it was more of a a, uh humbling to know that like when he was when he was on a couple hundred thousand he used to get back to me on that stuff now he's on a couple million followers and He'll give me the red, you know, maybe he's up laying around playing video games and uh no response. But I just wanted him to know that, you know, shout out, Weston. I'm thinking about you. Keep going, man. Keep his going. Untrash,
1: his entourage turtle version response. Yeah, and That's exactly for sure. let, me, let me ask you a quick question to both of you. I'll go back uh, to Heath and then Jimmy, you jump it. Just very quick on uh on McKinney. I mean, obviously Allegri sees him every day and that's the relationship that he has, et cetera. But it sounds to me that ever since that uh, iffy moment there with the uh, USMNT and Greg Berhalter kind of, you know, uh, dealing with it, it's he's kind of turned a new page here. He's he's a little bit more focused
3: Yeah, absolutely. I th- I don't know if that was a, a great conversation or it, se- it just seems like that had the recipe for two very distinct responses, right? One, which is, you can't tell me anything. I play at Juventus. I make millions of dollars a year. I'm the best national team player. I'm the best U.S. player, uh, uh, or I'm the best player in the U.S. I'm, you, you know, I've, I've done it the right way. I've career, my career path, I'm only 23 years old still, blah, 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 blah. Or the response is, yeah, I, that's a wake-up call. And I don't know who's in his circle. And I know Jimmy talks about those inner circles and support systems for Ricardo Pepe and these other players going through the same challenges. But his response has been phenomenal, and he's done it all by literally what he does on the field and his attitude and all those types of things. You go back to the summer of Nations League, and he didn't play huge roles, but he had the clutch gene, right? He came up in big moments, but he wasn't the leader in terms of the build-up play and all the things that we want from a player at this level. But now you're seeing him sort of round the corner into different pieces of his game. You talk about Allegri, and I'll make this short. But Allegrary sees him every day. And we've seen all these different parts of Weston McKinney. And we look at him through these different lenses of like bad boy and like infamous to leader to whatever as he goes through this career of his. But right now, it just seems like whatever happened, whether that's the national team plus plus the club team or it's his team or it's his agents or it's his family, somebody woke him up and told him he needed to get it together because he was on the verges of becoming um, you know, kind of almost reputationally. Bad, where it doesn't matter how good you are, the next team has to want to take a chance on you, and that could spoil you at this age. We've seen a lot of players get a reputation, whether it's for partying or whatever, at 23. By 27, they're in a tiny little league somewhere, just living off of the money that they made, and and then we're going to talk about them, about what they could have been. And he just seems to have woken up from that. I think it's a great shot, Luis.
2: No, no, I I agree with that. And it seemed uh, like a pivotal moment in his young career as to which kind of player he wants to be, both on and off the field. And when I think about it, when I look at him now, it looks like he's enjoying himself. And what you had said earlier, either Heath or, or you, Elamie, is, is he maybe was trying too hard to fit into Allegri's plans. Obviously, he was maybe playing a different role under Andrea Pirlo. Pirlo clearly trusted him. But it seemed like Allegri was like, eh, I don't know if I, I I really care for this guy or how he plays or how does he fit into my style. Then he has that trouble off the field. There was some stuff. There's some talk about it happening also in Turin where he's going out a lot. And now that, that, that you know, that flowed over to his U.S. men's national team. And now, like, what? What are you going to do? To his points are all, all very good. So he comes back, and now I think he was trying really hard to fit in to do exactly what Allegri said, to earn the trust back of that team and also the men's national team and get it all together professionally. And now, since he's worked through that patch, which I think is very important to him as a development of a player because he's going to go through another patch, Hopefully it's not due to behavioral issues, but just, just form, right? Something's not going to work for you. How do you regain that? Now he's lived through it. And I think that's really important that you just go to work. You try to get better than you were the day before. And at some point, you're going to work through it. And then you're going to start to enjoy how you're playing again. And that's where he is. He's in that sweet spot where he looks like he's having a ton of fun. And it helps when the team's getting results as well. And he's a big part of that. So long may that continue. Hopefully it translates into success for the U.S. men's national team as well. We need him to be clutch for us. We got some big games coming up here over the next couple of months. And uh, I'm excited about how he's playing. And he's definitely, without a a doubt, uh, the best men's national team player right now.
1: Yep. so basically, uh, advice from the boys here. Whatever you're doing, Weston, keep it up. Oh, and respond to his DMs. William, um... Dude, I
3: get left on no, right by all it. these no, guys no, now, no, man. No. I get left on right by all these guys, you know. <laughs> it's, it's it's humbling, but it's the role that I play as the mentor for the U.S. Men's National Team.
1: You know? I love it. I love it. Oh, all
3: right. Asking for no advice from me, but I'm giving it anyway. You know?
1: <laughs> I love it. All right, let's move on. Uh, the Spanish Super Cup. Uh, Athletic Bilbao uh, did a great thing by beating Atleti to get to this point. Maybe there was some hope, but no. Real Madrid turned it on to nothing. Uh, by the way, some goals. The first one from uh, the great Luka Modric, fantastic goal, and the second, a penalty from Karim Benzema and Thibaut Courtois. if you didn't see his penalty save. It was pretty, pretty acrobatic. Amazing stuff. But that means uh, Marcelo, by the way, who, you know, uh, coming towards the end of his career, equals Paco Gento's record of 23 titles as a Madridista. Pretty amazing uh, from from them, Real Madrid. Let's do just an overall uh, roundup of Spain, and then you just give me your thoughts, boys. But Copa del Rey, uh, Real Betis uh, 2 against Sevilla 1. Game suspended on Saturday after John Jordan was struck by a flagpole. After Fakir scored an Olimpico, by the way, and Canales scored the winner behind closed doors. In 2007, Sevilla coach Juan de Ramos was knocked unconscious when he was hit by uh, by the head with a bottle thrown by a Betis fan, by the way. And in La Liga, Elche won, Villarreal, nothing. Anything from that there, Jimmy Conrad, including the Super Cup?
2: Yeah, I'll go Super Cup final. I think Real Madrid put together a performance, which kind of speaks to how they've been playing this season, did what they needed to do, scored some good goals. I want to give a shout out to Kareem Benzema. He's got 40 goals plus assists this season alone. So, in combination of goals and assists in all competitions, he's got 40. He's also East. never mi- never missed a penalty in his 13 years at Real Madrid, which wow. I find to be absolutely remarkable. And he yeah, scored I didn't another know one today That's to clinch amazing. that. Luka Modric, I thought I just want to give a shout out. He's 36 years old and he looked like vintage Luka Modric. This guy has so many miles on his legs but the fact that he still has that spring that, and that energy and that desire to get on the end of things, and Rodrigo, who set him up for the goal, if he can start doing what Venice is doing on the other side of the field, they are going to be absolutely unstoppable. They feel unstoppable right now. So I want to give a shout-out to Madrid and all the Matradistas. I think Carlo Ancelotti's the perfect hire for them, and I think he's going to lead them to some trophies this season outside of the one they just won.
3: Wow. Jimmy, well said. I mean, i, I the, the only thing I, I'd, I'd add to that is, again, that... Rodrigo on the field, when you think about the project and recruitment, again, uh, bringing in the next big star, it's hard to look past Benzema. I think they're going to struggle to see beyond his world just because the form he's been consistent consistently in and he hasn't kind of blown up the club in the way that every other big superstar does at a certain point at the club. Obviously, he's got his own, his own uh, skeletons in the closet from his, from his earlier years. But <laughs> uh, when I think about the recruitment of that, knowing that you have a Rodrigo, knowing that you have a Vinicius Jr. now in form, You have an aging central three sort of when you start to look at some of those pieces you can go okay well we've got the building blocks of something great which i think is is incredible and the fact that they're still getting trophies shout out to marcelo i didn't even know that he was still at real madrid but he gets the trophy (laughs) there um and huge respect to him because he's another player that sort of continued to evolve the left fullback position um in a way that's made it exciting for a lot of players who never wanted to play it like myself uh, to go, oh no! There's some fun things to do in that position if you get good enough at it. I wasn't good enough at it, but I did do some fun things um, throughout my career because I uh, I decided to play left fullback and and not be a striker that didn't make it at any level. Um, <laughs> but the the follow up to that is also uh, Virial. uh Obviously, I think this one goes under the radar just mm-hmm. because of the fact that there was a, a trophy on the line this weekend. Uh, but dropping points uh, in that match uh, is is has huge complicate uh, comp um i can't even think of the word complications, um, complications uh, my friend um yeah i think no not complications um it, it, um i don't know the word consequences no it's another c guys i'll tell you when i remember it but yeah somewhere somewhere between consequences and complications is um is is what i'm looking for and it might be both and it might not even be a word but the point is <laughs> It's a, thing. No, it's, it's a a, yeah, it's a, a thing. thing. It's like this. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, ah, oh, man. Uh you had a chance when when others weren't playing uh in the league to to get a result and you should have gotten a result uh and you didn't.
1: Yep, similar to West Ham, of course, blowing it up a little bit uh to the extent of Leeds United winning, a good point here by producer Desnora It's fair to say that Carlo Ancelotti made the right move by leaving Everton. Yeah, I think. Uh, and Hammer Rodriguez, to be honest, say hey, get your it's money great and great just great leave great there. Great. Absolutely. All right. Well, listen. Let's move on here and let's end it with our USMT watch. We've already talked about Weston McKennie, but there's some other things that we can discuss. Final thoughts, by the way. USMT hour on Monday. Uh, 5 p.m. Eastern, I believe, but uh, might be corrected if that's changed. Uh, George Sargent, by the way, uh, forced uh, he forced the Everton on goal. No good for him. Marseille, Leal, Oxburgh with Pepe. Where do you want to go here? Uh, first to you, Heath Pierce. Where do you want to go?
3: Uh, I thought uh, Ricardo Pepe looked like uh, Daryl Decad did in his first couple national team games, where he just seemed desperate to score. He had a good he had a good look at one point. Um, there was also a goal that I thought was going to 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 count as well. But Overall, it's good to see him on the field. I think you can see immediately how he fits into the, the scheme of things within the team. And hmm. Now that he's been able to, to be a starter, it's only going to get better from here. I, I just preach patience to everybody except for the person that wrote the $20 million check. Uh, he has every right or she has every right to be impatient uh, for that type of transfer fee. Um, but, yeah, Timmy Chandler was also, as Dan Kane said, Timmy Chandler has been playing pretty consistently mm-hmm. this year. And there's even some shouts of getting him back into the national team, uh, kind of a why not. It's not like that has been locked down. DeAndre Yedlin is in and out of, of, of minutes in, uh, at his club. So uh, is there a shout to, to get Timmy Chandler back on the field uh, with the national team? I don't know if that will ever happen. But, yeah, overall, I thought the Ricardo Pepe thing was, uh, was, was an important step forward. You went from minutes, now a starter, to him being desperate. But he did seem a little bit, uh, as Jimmy mentioned earlier, Weston McKinney style of just trying to almost prove the worth or the value uh, every time he had the ball. And I think he'll settle in quicker and hopefully goes back to doing all the things that we've talked about a million times in terms of what makes him good and, and part of that is scoring goals.
2: Yeah, I'm not too worried about Ricardo Pepe, and I'm definitely not going to judge him harshly, I would say, as he makes this transition. It's a big, big move for, for a young person to, to handle it a lot of different ways, both on and off the field. So I want to give that 3 months. I want to give it to almost till the end of the season to really give him that 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 assessment that I think really speaks to his quality and and it's going to show. We already see little bits and pieces of it. His hold up play, his movement, you know, it's all there. It's just now Finding, as he said, finding that sweet spot. Just say can, it, Jimmy. Josh right
4: Sargent
3: is the new starter. He set up an own goal. Just say it, dude. <laughs> Just say <laughs> no, it. But He's I didn't want to mention
2: Marseille. No, we have two Americans potentially going up against each other, and both Conrad De La Fuente and Team we were out hurt. We need our guys to get healthy as soon as possible. We have a World Cup to qualify for, okay? So I was a little disappointed. They did not uh, get any minutes, and so we're out. Injured. Daryl DK did get in though for West Brom and their 1 0 loss to QPR. Big loss for the club overall. It's fourth versus fifth, but uh, good to see Daryl DK get some minutes and hopefully that'll turn into starts here moving forward. Hopefully that'll help them get promoted so we can see Daryl DK in the Premier League next season.
1: All right. Very quick on this question. Uh, what do you guys think about Cole Bassett to Feynard and Che to uh, Hoffenheim? Heath?
3: I mean, I'll, I'll go uh, very quick with this. Uh, Cole Bassett is one that I – he wasn't even starting for certain periods of the season in Colorado and one that I really like in terms of a player. I think Feynord the way that they play in a 4-3-3 system where he is triangulated and being being forced to play both not just square and backwards but forward and combined uh, through a midfield, I think is a great step for him and a great step forward for him. And then on the the Justin Che one, I always worry about that. We're seeing um, – Chris Richards right now go through the ebb and flow of playing and not playing, playing and not playing, but has earned enough minutes to, for me to think, okay, he's a consistent starter um, based on his form. Justin Che, I worry about becoming the next Brian Reynolds in terms of is there a spot for him? Is he Does he have this stability or does he have enough experience to go through the tough times of going straight to a club like that? I do like an 18-month loan because it gives Same. him a little bit of time to develop. Yep. Uh, he's going to you know maybe – I don't know where he can get his minutes or what his passport situation is, if he can play in the reserve team if he had to. But uh, if it works out, it's a phenomenal uh, opportunity.
2: No, I, I'm glad you mentioned the 18 months. I think those are both significant time periods for these players to feel relaxed. Sometimes we see loans that are only six months long, and it's it's hard to settle, and it's also hard for the players that are on the team to really accept you as one of their own. A Landon because,
3: Donovan three monther.
2: Yes, yeah, one of those. It's just like it. It just feels more about marketing or something outside of actually what it's about or helping develop these players. And I think 18 months is a really significant amount of time for these players to settle in on this back half of the season and then also be part of the plans for the upcoming season after that. And I think that part of it is really, really important. So I'm excited that they're going to go to clubs that that are going to compete, that have good players, that have good infrastructures. And I hope they get there, I actually hope they get real opportunities to try to break into the first team and, and show what they're capable of. Cause you can sense there's a bit of a trend to start going after American players because of how well American players are performing in Europe.
1: Yep. well, as I mentioned on Friday, I believe, on HQ, I said two things needed, right? You need to keep growing MLS and making sure that these players that are coming to Europe are going to the right places. That doesn't necessarily mean a big club. It means the club yeah. that can service you
3: hard, the man. very
1: best. Yeah, it It's very difficult. The money but, you know, and, and the valuation
3: of players makes it uh, increasingly difficult that hopefully it stabilizes and you go, okay, you know, Colt Bassett to Feyenoord, that's what I like, you know, the right next step. The player's going to Belgium right now, right next step. They can't yeah. all just go to big clubs, waste no. a year or two, and then drop back to where we need them. So I know yeah. it's easier said than done.
1: No, it is. But trust me, as a Peruvian, I, I know exactly.
3: <laughs> about it. All right. So uh, let's end it with final
1: thoughts. Jimmy Conrad, final thoughts.
2: Yeah, I'm going to jump on to something that producer Des wrote in our, in our notes about Erling Holland and his comments coming out of somewhat nowhere saying the Borussia Dortmund is forcing me to make a decision about my future, which is very German. They like to have their things sorted out six to eight months in advance, which I find to be hilarious, even their managers. Remember when Marco Rosa announced from Borussia Mönchengladbach he's taking over Dortmund, even though he's still the manager of Mönchengladbach for the whole season, and the Mönchengladbach didn't win any games? That's weird. Nobody saw that coming. So I find this to be interesting as well with regard to Holland. And now he's like, yeah, I guess I got to make a decision now. He's so chill about the whole situation, even though he's he's one of the most sought-after players in the world, so I'm curious to see what this means for him and and for Dortmund, obviously as well. And and this is something to watch. I think this is a story that will have some answers here in the next week or two.
3: Yeah, I have nothing other to say, other uh, else to say to that, well, guys. I'm really struggling with these words. Today. <laughs>
1: Dude, well, I mean, what time uh, is it right now? It's where you're
3: 23 at? When I say yeah, today, speak. guys, I'm in the future. It's tough. Oh, so much, I, okay? the I language do. gets harder.
1: You um, have no. I'm I'm saying it so people know that like, you you are yeah. you know nothing 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 uh, to apologize for. Keep going. Your final thoughts, my friend.
3: That I'm just disappointed that Gio Reyna is still out. I was excited Same. about him coming in. I thought he'd get a good run of games, or even two or three work up to. 45, 60 minutes before the national team camp, and he's not even on the bench still. So there must be something bigger, which I worry about because he's so young that some of these things, you know, I remember any injury that I got, it feels like you get past them, but you never really get fully past an injury. You're never really the same again. And, um, you know, some very few players can get back to that level. Uh, But I just worry about what this means to him physically for the the long-term, knowing how important he is for the national team and just what his upside is. I think he has potentially one of the highest upsides of any player uh, in the history of the U.S. national team. Uh, we're in the history of the U.S. soccer setup. But, you know, who knows what that could be if, if he's going to continue to be injured. Sorry. That's
1: Absolutely. A long no, no, no. That's <laughs> good. My only final thought is uh, Barcelona Femini face Real Madrid and a very yeah. big game. And listen, by the way, El Clasico will happen at Camp Nou, which is a historic thing for the women's team. And they are so close within like two or three days of releasing their tickets, so close of being sold out. Unbelievable awesome. believable stuff. In March, right? Yes, it's in March, and uh, it's a tremendous, tremendous message uh, for the women's game. But I think at the same time, and I think our friend Colin Miller said it on Twitter, it's also a good example of what happens when you sell tickets at a reasonable price. Mm -hmm. People will come to the games. It's not just about, you know, making sure that you highlight whatever it is, but it's a great thing for Barcelona feminine, and the women's game in Spain and in general. So well done there. Des Norris says, I think Barcelona's fans... Only chance of seeing their club win a Clásico these days. Mm. Very good point, Des. Listen, I'm trying to promote Barcelona Femini. I don't want to insult the male <laughs> side. But hey, yes, if MLS, I'm a
3: Chelsea fan, I'm looking at uh, the whole club. The if I'm a Barcelona side, yeah, fan, yeah, I'm yeah, looking at yeah, the whole club. Yeah. If I'm an MLS fan, I'm looking at the whole club at certain points. And just yeah. so you know, that you might always have like you know some sunny days on the horizon.
0: Oh, I know.
1: I just know that it's, that's just uh, that's Dez's Irish little snarkiness coming yeah. in sometimes every now and again. But he has a point, though. Well, well done. But anyway, that's it. That's our Weekend Rika. Jimmy Conrad, thank you so much, my man. Thank you for having me, as always. Heath Pierce, go to sleep, my friend. Go to sleep. Juntos es mejor. Juntos es mejor. That's right. That's right. Together is always Better. Thank you, everybody. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. K. Well Pod Heath Pierce on Twitter, Jimmy Conrad on Twitter, all of us on Instagram as well. Make sure that you leave a rating and review, Spotify, Apple, Podcast, CBS Sports, and your CBS Sports app. Have a great, great beginning to your week. USM 4 4:30 Eastern. Tomorrow, Monday. And we got a Fabrizio Romano special, which is actually touching on what Jimmy said about Erling Haaland as well. So we will see you then. Have a great evening. Till then.
0: old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts